And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Spotify and some of the other platforms that we're broadcasting on here at Sunshine USA. And as usual, it is so great to have you tune in. And I'm Warren Landis. I'm your host here on Sunshine USA, as well as your Bible teacher. So I'm, I'm glad to be here this morning, and I'm glad you're here as well. Uh, many of you know we're in the process of going through the New Testament. We started our study of the New Testament with um, a parallel look at the Gospels. It was actually uh, kind of like a, a unified look at the Gospels. And we spent, as you know, a pretty good length of time in the Gospels. And now we're in the book of Acts. And we're going through the book of Acts verse by verse, uh, chapter by chapter. You know, I was thinking this morning, about how I do preaching today as opposed to how I did it at one time. I have to admit, when I first got saved and went into the ministry, uh, my knowledge of the Word of God was very limited, and by my own admission, my teaching was rather shallow. I mean, bearing in mind, you can only teach and preach the Word of God to the degree that you know it. Uh, there's also another another old saying that says you can't preach the word if you don't know the word. And that, of course, gets to the real meat of the reason why I started this podcast back in 2012 in the first place. And it was because of the fact that I was appalled at how little the average Christian knew about the word of God. And I said, Lord, I've got to do something about this. And that's when the Lord opened up a door of opportunity for me to present the gospel and teach the Bible by way of the Internet. Of course, I was using the Internet as a place to witness for the Lord even before I started Sunshine USA. I would say I've been using the Internet, more specifically Facebook, for example. I was using Facebook to witness for the Lord long before I did Sunshine USA. I can take you all the way back to at least 2009, maybe 2008, when I would post uh, different ways of witnessing on Facebook. And so for well over a decade now, I have seen the Internet as a place of ministry. I tell some people the Internet is my pulpit. Amen. Amen. But um, I would say my preaching now is much more in detail and has a whole lot more spiritual meat than what my teaching did back in the early days of my ministry. And that's why seemingly when I teach the Word of God now, we don't go through books of the Bible as fast as we used to because I spend more time in each and every verse. And a lot of times I'll take a verse, for example, and break it down, as I will in today's broadcast. Now, in Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 1, it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, that is, the death of Stephen. And at the time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. 
Now, <clears throat> it says here that Saul was consenting to the death of Stephen. Now, Saul was actually Paul, as he would later become, become known. Of course, now, Paul, when he was on the road to Damascus, he was struck down and converted to Christ. And at that point, instead of calling his name Saul, God now called his name Paul. And, of course, that's an important symbolism there because when we get saved, when we come to know Christ as Savior, we take on a whole new name. We're not the same person we once were. But Saul, the Bible tells us here, was consenting unto the death of Stephen. Now, there's no evidence that Saul threw any of the stones at Stephen, but the people that were throwing stones, they laid their coats at the feet of Saul. Now, bearing in mind, I don't know what time of the year this was, but bearing in mind, you can imagine that even in the wintertime, when you're vigorously throwing rocks at someone like Stephen, uh, it causes your body to really heat up. And so you probably don't want a coat on, and so they laid their coats at the feet of Saul. So in that sense, right there, he becomes indirectly guilty of the sin of killing Stephen. And then also, he had to consent to it. Saul was on the Sanhedrin. He was very possibly, you might say, the head of the Sanhedrin. And therefore, what these uh, Jews were doing in killing Stephen... They couldn't have done that without the consent of Saul. He would have had to say, okay, I give you permission to stone him to death. Uh, in other words, Saul had, in one sense of the word maybe, the authority to issue a warrant authorizing the stoning death of Stephen. So even though Saul never threw a stone, he was guilty by association, and he was certainly indirectly involved. And, of course, even in our laws today, you know, we have that same principle illustrated. For an example, a person could be an accessory either before, during, or after the commission of a crime. In other words, the idea here, they don't actually commit the crime themselves directly, but they play a role in the commission of that crime, and therefore they face the consequences of that. And this was apparently the beginning of great persecution. Now, later on, there would be persecution coming from beyond the Sanhedrin. Later on, we know that the Romans would start persecuting Christians. For example, we know that it was the Romans who sacked the city of Jerusalem in 70 AD, and when that happened, they destroyed the temple in 70 AD. Now, a lot of times that helps us, by the way, in dating certain things in the New Testament. When we read about an event in the New Testament, we could say, okay, did this happen before the destruction of the temple or after the destruction of the temple? Did this happen before 70 A.D., or did this happen after 70 A.D.? Okay. 
So there you have it. And the Bible tells us here, and at that time there was great persecution against the church at Jerusalem, and all were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except for the apostles. The apostles, at least at this time, chose to stay put right there in Jerusalem. They found it absolutely necessary to stay put in Jerusalem. But most of their church members scattered. Now this is not surprising really because, you know, if you live in a part of the world where there's great persecution, you probably desire to travel to a part of the world where there is a lot less persecution or maybe no persecution at all. That principle, by the way, had a lot to do with the founding of America. We found that the pilgrims, for example, came over to this country in a desire for religious liberty. They were greatly persecuted where they were living at the time. And so they had this great desire to come to the new world where there would be a whole lot more freedom and a whole lot more liberty. And so that principle becomes one of the founding principles of our own country, the United States. And, of course, we note that even today there's a lot of persecution going on in the world today. Many countries around the world, for example, uh, don't have the degree of religious liberty that we have in this country. And I'm afraid that we as a church today take that for granted. But I also think there's a day coming in this country when we will see persecution the likes of which we've never seen before. Now we saw a little sample of this during the pandemic. We had certain parts of this country where pastors were told if you hold public church services, you're going to be arrested. Your church is going to be heavily fined. In states like California, you had the state government, for example, telling churches, okay, you could gather for preaching, but you can't have any singing. And I think as we look ahead into the future, we're probably going to see a whole lot more of this. Now, in a way, it's not a bad thing because, you know, one thing about persecution, it usually causes the fake Christians to go away. The only Christians that are going to stick around are those that are true Christians who really know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. These are the ones that are going to stick around. These are the ones that are going to stay the course. And so they scatter. We'll say more about that in just a few moments. It says, And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Now it says they carried Stephen to his burial. We don't know where exactly Stephen was buried. I suspect it was someplace either in or near the city of Jerusalem. But the Bible itself does not tell us exactly and precisely where Stephen was buried. Now, in a way, I think that's a good thing because, unfortunately, we have Christians today that would probably worship the place where Stephen was buried if they knew where that place was. 
So it may very well be a good thing that we don't know where Stephen was buried. But it says devout men buried him. I mean, no doubt there were many people that came to Christ through the ministry of Stephen, the, uh, who was known as the preaching deacon. Now, I've said this, by the way, on a previous broadcast, and it bears saying again, I do believe that in the truest sense of the word, deacons are ministers of the gospel. And that's why in most churches, the position of deacon is an ordained position. For example, let's say you have a small church and you don't have much of a budget for pulpit supply. Chances are that church is dependent upon deacons to fill the pulpit when the pastor has to be out for any reason. And when the pastor is away on vacation or maybe occasionally away preaching a revival or Bible conference somewhere, he ought to be able to point to any one of his deacons and say, okay, you're going to be preaching in the next service. Or maybe you're going to be preaching in the next two services. Something to that effect. You know. He should have spiritual confidence in the spiritual maturity of the deacons. Now, that's why the Bible tells us that a novice cannot be a deacon. That is, someone new to the faith cannot be a deacon. And for that matter, they certainly can't be pastor of a church. They have to have time to grow and develop as a believer. That's why in 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting with verse 8, we have the qualifications listed for deacon, and one of the qualifications is that the deacons cannot be a, a novice. You have to give them an opportunity to serve in other areas of the church, and when they prove themselves well in those areas, then at some point they could be considered for the office of deacon. And I've also said in previous broadcasts that the office of pastor and the office of deacon are the only two biblical offices that we find in the church. Now that doesn't mean you can't have a minister of music or a minister of youth or a minister of worship, but these are not biblical positions. Only pastor and deacon. Uh, now, by the way, sometimes I, I think, and I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox here, sometimes I think we too readily refer to someone as pastor. We'll say, okay, he is the music pastor, or he is the worship pastor, or he is the youth pastor. You know, maybe he's the pastor in charge of religious education. I think the word pastor or the title pastor, should be reserved for the senior pastor. And the senior pastor is the one who is in charge of the local church under God. Amen. Okay, now, let's move on from there. It says here in Saul, he made havoc of the church entering into every house, inhaling men and women, and committing them to prison. 
In verse 4 we read, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Now, you know, in a way, this is actually the way God intended it to be. Uh, Jesus, you'll remember, said you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, if the believers had been like you and I are today, and had it not been for the persecution, they would have been very content to stay right there in Jerusalem, right there in their comfort zone. They would have stayed there with the apostles and worshipped with the apostles just like they'd been doing for some time. But because of the persecution, they found it absolutely necessary to move to other parts of the world. Now, like I say, this was not a bad thing. And I think this was overall in keeping with the will of God. Because they were literally to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And they can't do that very well if they stay in Jerusalem. And of course, bearing in mind, in those days, there was no internet. One of the things I like about internet ministry is that even though my health largely limits me to my own apartment, the bottom line is that doesn't stop me from being a witness to the whole world. I could still be a witness to the whole wide world in spite of the fact that I am largely confined to my apartment due to health and handicap reasons. Now, uh, that doesn't mean that I'm totally unable to travel. For example, uh, most any church that wanted me to here in South Carolina, they could invite me and I could make arrangements to come to their church and preach the gospel. But as far as traveling to distant cities in this country or certainly uh, traveling in other countries abroad, that would be pretty much out of the question. For example, uh, I've always said that I would love to go to the Holy Land. But given my current state of health, I seriously doubt that I would be able to go to the Holy Land physically now. Now, I thank God there's many places in the Holy Land that I could see on the Internet. There's even places where you could get live streaming from Jerusalem, live streaming from the Holy Land. Amen. I thank God for that. And right now, that would be probably about the only way I could see the Holy Land. Uh, when I walk, I have to walk with uh, a walker or a cane or something. And I can't sit down. I mean, I can't stand up, rather, for more than about five minutes at a time. Once I've been on my feet for about five minutes, I have to sit down somewhere. That's why I have a walker with a seat on it. Amen. Um, so I recognize I can't travel like I used to. Some of the places where I might have gone at one time, I can no longer do that. But fortunately, because of the Internet, I don't have to do that. I can actually wit witness and preach to the whole world without leaving the comfort of my apartment. But they didn't have that back in those days. In order for them to preach the gospel outside the city of Jerusalem, they had to leave the city of Jerusalem 
and all the comforts that went with it. They had to give up that which was familiar and comfortable to them so they could go to other places. And as they did, they took advantage of any and every opportunity to preach and proclaim the gospel. Now, you know, it's interesting when we look at the Great Commission, for example, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. It says, Go ye therefore. Now I am told that in the original Greek, it says something to the effect of, and as you go, there is that sense in which, in which witnessing for the Lord is something that we do whenever and wherever we are. It's not like you say, okay, at 10 o'clock Saturday morning, I'm going to go out and knock on a few doors. The Bible says anywhere and everywhere you go, you make up your mind that you're going to be a witness for the Lord. Amen. Uh, I, I knew one time this man, every time he went to the gas station, he saw the gas station as a place where he could witness. He would witness to the guy next door to him that was pumping gas in his car. He would witness to the cashier as he paid for the gasoline. I mean, he saw to it that anywhere and everywhere he went, he told people about Jesus. And that, of course, is as it should be. And notice it tells us here that Saul went from house to house putting believers into prison. And no doubt, eventually many of these were killed, just like Stephen. Now, you know, it's very interesting that Paul in his epistles, he describes himself as being the chief of sinners, the chief of sinners. And I don't think Paul was just calling himself that to be calling himself that. I think he knew deep down in his heart he was indeed and in fact the chief of sinners. But yet, in spite of that, God still loved him and forgave him. In part because he did so ignorantly. You see, when Saul back in those days was putting all these believers in prison and, and killing some of them, uh, he actually saw himself doing the will of God. Because these people, as far as he was concerned, were heretics. What they were believing and preaching and teaching was totally contrary to traditional Judaism. He saw these people as traitors. He saw these people as enemies of God. And by golly, he was going to do anything and everything he could to wipe them out. <laughs> well, Saul learned the hard way. You can't wipe out Christianity. You cannot stop Christianity. Yes, you can persecute Christians, but you'll never stomp out the Christian message. Amen. Praise God for that. That is a very wonderful thing. Now, we're going to go ahead and stop here. <laughs> um, I think this is a good stopping place. We'll pick up next time where we left off this time. But still, if you haven't read 
Acts chapter 8, you need to go ahead and read Acts chapter 8 because I will continue my commentary in Acts chapter 8 on the next broadcast, starting with verse 5. Now, in the meantime, if you have a Bible study question, if you have a prayer request, you can feel free to share that with me. The best way to do that is by email. And I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com, and the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. Very simple, very easy. And if you want to, you can even contact me by snail mail. That's the old school way. My snail mail address is Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street. That's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N. I I spell that for you because you'll be amazed how many different ways Thruston is spelled. Some people call it Thruston, some people call it Thurston, but it's spelled T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510. Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. That's Warren Landis, 80 Street, apartment 8510. Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And like I say, uh, I enjoy hearing from you. And be sure to pray for me in this ministry. Like I tell people all the time, you need to practice and I need the prayer. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying God bless you. You have a great day, and don't fret none, because you know what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.